Hi, everyone. This is Ramdas here and now. I'm Raghu. And uh, today we have a talk from Ramdas from Aspen, Colorado, May 1976. And uh, it's unique, which is hard to believe. And Itantra and the Divine Mother. So I'm going to give you a little preview of that in a minute. I, just another heads up, as I do, because I really appreciate 1440, our, our partner, and uh, 1440 Multiversity. And I do want to tip you on a couple of things. And one of them is called Every Life is Spiritual Practice. Everyday life is spiritual practice, cultivating a life of mindfulness with uh, Nikki uh, Murgafori. And um, it's funny because this talk that I'm going to introduce of Ramdas's, that is an exact tenet, not tenant, <laughs> tenet of, uh, that's an inside joke, but. Uh, of what uh, of Ramdas's talk and and of his uh, his very basic advice, uh, which is that everything that happens in your life is an opportunity to get free, and we'll talk more about that. So I thought, wow, okay, everyday life is spiritual practice. Uh, that's in uh, early December. Go to fourteen forty dot org and look that up in be- it's right in, in beautiful nearby beautiful Santa Cruz it's an absolutely gorgeous campus uh, fantastic in in every way uh, I wanted to um, oh Dan Siegel is going to be doing something in January actually the power of showing up being fully present as a parent that's uh, it's it's with him and uh, a woman named uh, Tina Payne Bryson another great i mean there's so many of them i could sit here you know for a while and that these weekend workshops are just great so that's 1440.org um oh by the way i'm just back from india i think i've mentioned it in the last uh, podcast maybe i had just arrived then so uh, it takes a while to reintegrate let me tell you even though i've been doing it a long time that's where i take my retreats and uh and this, I just was thinking because we there was a talking around uh, in the talk around the gathering together of community and satsang, and that was such a powerful experience for me in India, uh, going off uh, to following in Ramdas's footsteps, which is and uh, uh, tw- happens twice a year with Saraswati, and I was on the last one. I come on some of them. I'm not quite sure which ones, but I was on the last one, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And the the way in which everyone came together in such open heartedness and connectiveness, it was uh, fantastic. If you're interested, go to nourishinglife.com/yatra. Okay. Uh, so, on to the talk from Ramdas. So. Basically, he's talking about, again, just like I mentioned for this uh, uh, 1440 retreat, everything in life, all life experiences, if you treat them as Kali, if you offer them to Kali, rather, 
She consumes all of your impurities. The universal mother consumes all of these impurities. If you just change your perspective a little bit and you see it that way, um, then things take on a little bit. There's a, they're not so grabby about the suffering or grabby about the dark thoughts. In other words, you're not reacting the way that you would normally when you have a place to give it up to. And that place is really not outside ourselves. That's inside ourselves. And um, so, so Ramdas mentions here. I think he was living in New York City at the time because he was he had been seeing people in the mid seventies after the Joya thing. Um, and if any of you are going to ask about that, uh, we'll have to send you an old article about what that was about because that's going back. But he was in New York City. He was seeing people individual basis. He mentions it uh, during the uh, talk. And people say to him, because he was in Aspen for this talk, well, why aren't you living here? What the hell are you doing in, in New York? And he was like, well, whatever it is that's holding me back in any way, everything that I'm caught in, I, you know, I want to stay and, and, and let it be transformed rather than running away from it, which most of us do most of the time. Uh, so again, that's uh, another offering from Ramdas about switching perspective, because of course you need that priority. I I want to be liberated from the BS that that I am promulgating in my life, and so when that gets so strong, then you don't run from what might be uncomfortable. Huh? I mean, he just says in the thing. I mean, I don't know how many times I've said this to myself, geez, I'm really tired of hanging out in this clinging space, you know, pushing away things I don't want and going after things I do want. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, clinging. So, and then he talks about devotional tantra, which is what um, I mentioned, seeing the world as mother. And he, he gives a great quote, which stands listening to a, a billion times from Maharaji who told him, when you see the entire universe as mother, then, and only then, I'm putting the only then, then you will know God. When you see the entire universe as the mother. So it then it's just, it's an offering back and forth. Okay, you're offering all of the stuff stuff and getting back, you're being given grace to be able to even think of offering it. There's a real continuum um, that uh, that happens when you can create this kind of a relationship with the divine f uh, f uh, force, uh, female force. Um, and he and it's just more oh that clinging thing. Everything you notice in your world is a reflection of your clinging. Oh God. Um, so and then how you know how do we get free? back to using every single experience of your day as a vehicle for awakening, right? Um, and I think he, this is something, you know, when you get to this part where he talks about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, that he had done um, a, a workshop with her of some sort, uh, with other practitioners. Elizabeth was uh, one of the foremost proponents of conscious dying 
and all the way back in the day. And Ramdas did stuff. You know, he also is associated in that way, working with uh, with people who are dying. And they went in there, and there was caretakers, and there was people who ran nursing homes, all of that. And you know, so they were sitting, and he noticed he and Elizabeth were able to to be with the pain and the loneliness and the suffering of of these people. And these people, all they wanted was um, just someone to just hold their hand. I mean, just simple human contact. And so, of course, this this just rips your heart open when you're with this. If you, any of you have ever been in uh, with a, a very sick person or a dying person, and how what he talks about is the intersection between that. Um, um, extreme uh, empathy with the suffering and then comes compassion and at the same time you don't get lost and you see the perfection of what is going on the 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 wheel of life and the bigger picture this person had done their work you know what they would now go on and to that adventure which we is a mystery. We don't really know. I mean, we have some empirical uh, data from people who have uh, near-death experiences, but and we have the Tibetan Book of the Dead and other uh, mystical traditions that really give us some idea of the process. Uh, but it's really difficult to keep that balance. And he said that balance is what he's talking about. That's the balance of the consuming of the mother, of the complete absorbing into and being absorbed at the same time by this force so that you're not lost uh, in either the pain and the loneliness of this person that you're with and you're not lost in how you see it as perfection and you back away, you know, you're able to you know, back away from it. And that, it so there's a... There's another place, which is a very difficult place. Uh, wonderful talk. Oh, and uh, again, this is in Aspen, in 1976, May, from another in this extraordinary uh, catalog that we have uh, from Ramdas. Uh, so uh, do uh, hope everyone appreciates it and this is Ramdas here and now on the Be Here Now Network go to beherenownetwork.com and you can catch uh, uh, I've been doing by the way a couple of things on mind rolling you might be interested in because I've taken excerpts or I've worked with Nathan and we've taken excerpts of podcasts on mind rolling that deal with the practicalities of different methods that can be used to help navigate uh, a life in balance. So uh, you can check out Mind Rolling too. And I will see you next week. Namaste. The thing is that all the stuff of your life on this plane has a certain kind of energy in it, a certain kind of intensity, a certain kind of light, a certain kind of emotionality to it. But then you go up into other planes 
and suddenly it's a whole new ball game. More power, more light, more energy, Shakti pouring through you, beings appearing, great teachings, great wisdom and knowledge, and you're collecting, and all of your power trips, and all of your bliss trips, and going into planes of rapture, where you're just, like every cell is just orgasmically, just, you just liquid orgasm, just hours of it. And you think, oh boy, this is, wow, this, you know, I've waited a long time for this. <laughs> and then it's another one. It's another one. And you go into spaces that are so icy cold, they're like the, the snow on the mountain peaks here. And it's like you're sitting in the snow and your body is quiet, just like you were frozen. You're just solid and you're sitting in the snow and you're cold and empty and down below you is the universe of forms and you have this cold, impersonal clarity and you couldn't care less about the universe. And it's just another plane. And all these planes are listed in the yogic tracks. They're listed in the Buddhist tracks. They're all, it's all that stuff. It's all there. And it's all more stuff. It's nice and it's useful and it can be helpful to loosen your hold on this plane and to transmit and to burn out stuff. But ultimately, it's just more stuff. And you got to keep saying, and that too, I want more. I want it all. I want to go beyond form. I want and you just get so that it's just more and more and more and more is never enough. Because experiences, just like experiences on acid, and now experiences on meditation, on the Shakti of the Divine Mother, and she's Kali, I mean, is she Kali? She's just ripping all of us to shreds, right? She turns ugly and dark. And she just keeps eating your karma. That's what Kali does. She just keeps consuming your impurities. If you give them up, she keeps consuming them, consuming them, and she goes after them. If you've got one little hang-up, she'll go after you. Because Kali has the sword of discrimination in her hand, and her game is to destroy everything in you that's keeping you from being in God. And she's ruthless. But you don't get into that situation unless you ask for it. See, and the game is very clear. When you want the fire, you ask for it, but don't ask for it unless you want it. Because when you get it, you're going to scream bloody murder if you didn't want it. And most people say they want God or want liberation, and they don't mean it at all. They mean they want to want it, but they don't want it just yet. That is most people. I'd say of maybe the 150 people that I work with individually now, I'm about to end all that too, but that I've been working with in New York City, maybe two or three, maybe, maybe, maybe really are ready to go and say, full speed ahead, don't stop, really do it to me. Everybody else, when the fire gets too hot, they start to scream. When you get near their cherished images of themselves or their anxiety areas or whatever. And she's ruthless, absolutely ruthless. I'm very ruthless too. I've been trained in ruthlessness. It's a kind of a caring as opposed to mercy. Mercy makes everybody feel kind of good. Maharaji, you want to go to America? Go to America. That's merciful. 
caring is just going after you for your own liberation. Burning out stuff. Because you come to a point in your journey, which you come to, and some of you recognize it now. People say to me, how can you live in Manhattan? Why don't you come live here in Aspen? Can you understand when I say, all I want to do is sit in the fire? Because if there's something in New York that's catching me, I want to go sit in New York City until it doesn't catch me. Because I'm tired of having clingings that are holding me. And if there's anything that's going to burn me, come on, baby, let's have it. What I'm describing to you now is a very traditional form of yoga. It's called devotional tantra. And it involves seeing, it involves a very simple distinction of whether or not you see the world as the world or the world as the mother. Maharaji used to say to me, Ramdas, when you see the entire universe as the mother, you will know God. And I, who was hung up with my neurosis about my own mother, thought, my God, one is enough. Do I have to see it everywhere in the universe? <laughs> I couldn't understand what he was talking about. There is a simple statement. Either the mother covers the world or the world covers the mother. Example, you're walking down the street somebody passes you, they arouse you sexually. Either it is a person who has aroused you sexually and you start your sexual patterns of response. Or you say, wow, Ma, you're doing it to me again. You really got me that time, didn't you? Because the mother keeps changing her forms and will keep approaching you and you begin to see that everything you notice in the universe is a reflection of your clinging. Think of all the things you don't notice as you walk down the street. And think of the things you do notice. Why is that? Think of the things you hear and the things you don't hear. All of your perceptual universe is a function of your clinging. The only reason you and I are meeting on the physical plane at all is because we are all clinging to our senses. If we were not clinging to our senses, there would be nobody in this room. There would be nobody on this earth. This plane of existence wouldn't be. It's created by our clinging. The universe is the creation of our own minds. And when you understand that, you see all of it as being sent to you. You begin to see your entire life as a series of experiences that are being handed to you in order to awaken you out of the illusion. They are nothing more and nothing less. And that's exactly why you're in an incarnation at all. Because you have business. And if you think you are here to get more pleasure, by now you must have figured out that if you get more pleasure, you get more pain because polarities are polarities. And because pleasure and pain are both in time, there is suffering and you're not gonna get it. You're not gonna get home free that way. And those of you that have been through enough of that have had the despair of seeing that not more isn't gonna do it. More isn't necessarily better. 
no matter how long they get. And you get to the point where you begin to look for that which is beyond polarity, beyond pleasure and pain. And you realize that your process of awakening out of the illusion of your own separateness, not denying the physical plane, by the way, not denying social game and all the parts of your dance, but not clinging to it, being free, being free of that which is in time, which changes and decays and therefore involves suffering. How do you get free? Well, you may go to church on Sunday mornings, or you may meditate on Tuesday nights, but ultimately, I'll tell you what you do. You ultimately use every single experience of your day as a vehicle for awakening. And you begin to understand your life that you have taken birth in order to go through a series of experiences until you transcend the dualism of experiencer and experience, and you have become so that you are the mountain. You just are. Then you chop wood and carry water. Then there is nothing special. Then you just live life, just like a tree grows or a river flows. Then you are a statement of the Dharma. You are a statement of the flow, of the Tao, of the harmony of the universe. Then you are not thinking, who am I and what do I do and how do I become enlightened? Because there is no I to think that. It is merely the process of living life. And every moment is all of it. You're not doing this for that because there's no time in it anymore. Every moment is your total existence and you do nothing because you are at rest and yet nothing is left undone because you're an in, in an incarnation and all the forces acting in you and on you, including your nationality, age, sex, relationships, all of it, are all forces acting just as the sun and the wind and the snow act on a tree. And the tree responds harmoniously to all that and so do you. And your intellect is a vehicle, a servant, but you don't think your way through anything. It's merely available for you to use. But the level of flow in the universe is not. That must indicate that we must be drawing near the end. Because I've been really pumping it into you. Or us. See, in the last analysis, I gave an interview for the New Age Journal. And it was published. And it talked about joy and all this stuff. And then I recall... Um, uh, a guy, guy from uh, Naropa, I think, yeah, uh, Joshua Zim, who's an old friend from Lama, wrote a scathing denunciation saying Ramdas is just hanging everybody up in spiritual materialism. Now, let me explain what happens. When you're in the middle of a journey, when you take a teaching, you open to that teaching and you surrender into it and you become devotional tantra at that point. And when I'm sitting in Vipassana meditation of Theravadan Buddhism, I am a meditator watching my mind and the mind moments. And that's who I am. And that's what comes out of my being. And there are going to be undoubtedly many contradictions as I keep going through the stages. And that's just the way it is. It seems to me, ultimately, 
all methods lead to the transcendence of themselves, whether it's guru or meditation or Zen, which is a method, or devotional gurus or service, until finally you transcend somebody doing something. And then you are sitting in where Krishnamurti is talking about, but Krishnamurti isn't. Then you are just process. There's nobody home. There's nobody home. There's nobody to be frustrated because somebody isn't hearing him. Because then out of you comes compassion to appreciate everybody's prediction, pre predicament in the evolutionary sense. Because there's nothing in you that's attached to how it ought to be for everybody. You don't sit around judging everybody as to why don't you clean up your act. And that Kali dagger just comes into your hand when somebody comes forth and offers their neck and says, I want to get done. Do it to me. And says it in truth, not in hypocrisy. I now think I am a teacher, by the way. I don't think I'm a guru. I am not a statement of perfection. But there isn't a hell of a lot of me left either. Because as you let go, plane after plane after plane, beyond form, empty ocean of bliss, Satchit Ananda, however you want to call it, going into nibbanic state of point between thoughts, void, fullness, source, beyond source, however you want to call it, God, G D. After you have consumed, I'll show you how Tantra works. Very mechanical game. Very mechanical. This, I'll just do this one more little heavy thing and then you can go home. You can go home anyway, but I mean, I'm just... This is so exquisite. I just have to show. So you are seeker, right? Seeker, seeking liberation. Seeker has all its stuff. Lust, greed, doubt, fear, confusion, anxiety, hope, faith, charity. Compassion. And there's a world around seeker. Gurus, teachers, automobiles, starvation, violence, roses in June, babies, smiling, all of it. All of it, the mother. All of the universal forms, the mother, you are in relationship to the mother. That's what your love affair is. You start out, how do you relate to a mother at first? You drink from the breast. You start to suck from the mother. You start to consume all of it into yourself. Pretty soon it develops, Freud notwithstanding, into a full-blown love affair. You are relating to all the forms of the universe. You don't have any longer... I love her or I love him. You're in love. You're going through the stages of meditation. You're starting to open. You're starting to fall. You're starting to flow in and out of the forms around you in the universe. And something comes toward you that you notice because of a clinging, anger, lust, whatever it is, attachment, power, fame, possession. Ah, awake. An object. Ah, ma, there you are again, ready to be what? drunk from, made love to, and ultimately consumed, devoured. 
the end of the Mahamudra song, it says, at the end for a yogi, the lights of son and mother become as one. What is the process? How do you know the mother out there in form? Because you've got a first chakra that's pulsing away. You've got a second chakra that's pulsing away. You've got a third chakra that's pulsing away. All of them going out. Energy starts up. Whoosh. Lust, 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 lust. Power, 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 power. Right? Give me a fame, power, control, mastery. Right? All those forms out there created by that energy, localized in those places, slowly consume back, taking the stuff back in, converting it from the form. Airplane sound, what is it? Concept, airplane. Concept, energy. Concept, sound. Concept Shakti. When you see what the game is, you are being fed by the mother and everything in the universe becomes food for you. You are literally consuming the earth into yourself. That she consumes you as Kali and you consume her through your love. And the merge occurs at which point all of the Shakti is right in the tiny channel in the spine. None of it's rushing out the Shaktis. Pure Shakti. Pure Shakti, pure energy. You have taken the universe and brought it back into pure energy. That pure energy is the fuel for you to now start to go from form into formless. As you consume the mother into yourself, what is the mother? It's all forms. Christ said, I didn't come so you get hung up in me. I came to tell you about the Father. What is Christ the mother? What is Mary the mother? What are gurus the mother? What are methods the mother? What is your body the mother? What are your senses? What are the mountains? They're the mother. You consume the mother. You consume the forms. When you see it's all a mother, baby, hey, Ma, come on. Oh, that's an interesting dress you're wearing today. Come on. Come on, feed me. Make love to me. Come on. Come on. Close. New York City, come on. Come on. Come on. Anger, good. You got me. Good. Good. Come on. Until finally, all there is is this flow. And every form you notice immediately gets consumed back into flow, taking form back into energy. You know, you're a sophisticated Western technocrats, technologists, you know, all this matter is merely patterns of energy, molecular structures of stuff. Physicists can't even figure out whether the stuff exists or it doesn't exist at this point. Back into the stuff. And then when the energy is pure, when the lights of son and mother have become one, when you have merged with the mother, then you're ready for the father. Because the only one that makes love to the father is the mother. You're never going to get into the bedroom, baby, as long as you're a seeker. The door is closed. First, you consume the mother until you are the mother. And in this process, do you understand you are the lingam and you are the yoni? You are the phallus that's penetrating into the universe and you are the yoni, the vagina that's receiving everything into yourself. Because the soul is neither male nor female. That's part of your incarnation just as Jew and Protestant and Catholic is, and American is. 
Those are all the patterns on different planes of relative reality. And you are at the moment, we're talking about in, in process, still in illusion, an entity that is consuming your own stuff into yourself. You are consuming the mother. Finally, it all turns in on itself. And all there is left is the mother. That's called the ancient one. That's what Mayor Baba talks about. That's where most religions get to. The concept of the one in form. But the father in Christianity isn't the Lord. The Lord is an astral entity. The father in Christianity is the G-D in Judaism. And the G-D in Judaism is Nirvana in Buddhism. And it's Brahman in, in Hinduism. It's that which has no form. It never had any form. That's the father. And the merging of form and formless until you aren't, never were, and never will be, and also are here in form, that merger comes only when you have consumed the universe into yourself. And to consume the universe into yourself, you must be strong enough to compassionately look at the universe of forms. And to do it fully, you've got to keep your heart wide open so it is being ripped apart as the bleeding heart of Christ out of the pain and the suffering of the world. And on this plane, doing everything you can to alleviate suffering and simultaneously having a clear vision of the perfection of the universe, of God's perfection, of the perfection of forms, that nothing is out of the natural law, including suffering, violence, death, and harm. And the power and strength of a human being to simultaneously keep those two levels of consciousness going, not get so high and mighty of the perfection that you let somebody fall in their face in front of you and look and say, oh, it's their car nor get so lost in picking them up and being angry because they fell and the horror of the world and your righteousness and your pity and your suffering that you don't see the perfection. I just came from a seminar just today. I've been for five days in a seminar with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who's a very dear friend. She's the woman that's written lots of books about death and dying. We just had five days together. There were 50 of us, of which 20 people were terminal patients. None of them over the age of 50. Some of them like 19 and 20-year-old girls and guys. Some of them in wheelchairs, right at the edge. Some of them will die maybe next week. And the rest of us were ministers and teachers and nursing home directors and doctors and me. And for five days, we sat together dealing with what it's like to be us in this situation. And I could sit with my absolute clarity that I have now and see the perfection of it all. And at the same moment as I listened to this incredibly beautiful woman said, saying, who's probably going to die this next week and was sitting there in the room with an oxygen tank, breathing oxygen to just keep alive for the seminar. Here is saying, I'm just so tired of being tired. And hearing these young girls talk about their anger and their, the stages of their denial and their fury at what's happening. 
And when they take the chemo chemotherapy and they lose all their hair and their vanity issues and all the stuff, and my heart was just being ripped to shreds by this human pain and suffering that we were sitting there with. And at the same moment, I saw with clarity just how it is, as Elizabeth sees also. And the beauty of that week was we all stayed right in there with the pain and the beauty and the clarity. And we just kept going in and out of the stew together, 50 of us, just going in and out until we didn't deny the pain and we didn't deny the loneliness. And we didn't deny that each of them wanted to have somebody holding their hand at the moment they died. And at the same moment, we saw the perfection. And we explored what happens right after death. That is a living statement of that balance. That's the balance of the consuming of the mother. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is it getting through? A month ago, I visited San Quentin death row. I went down the road talking to each guy. You know what it was like? It was like being in a Tibetan monastery visiting the lamas. Because these guys are going to die. It's a death center. They're not the ones that are going to live. And they've given up. And they're wide open. They're like children. They're beautiful. And I said to them, I don't know whether what's happened to you is a curse or a blessing. And we got so clear in San Quentin death row that 35 of us started to send out blessings of love and peace to the universe. Straight, you know, with kisses from death row. The guys that society is going to put to death. It's enough. It's enough. It goes on and on. It goes on and on until we're all done, until none of us need to do any of this anymore. The only reason we keep meeting is because we have to keep doing this till we're done, until we are it. And then there's no reason to meet anymore because we can't get away from each other anyway. And time and space isn't what it's about. Then you just become your dharma. You become the perfect doctor, the perfect lawyer, the perfect housewife, the perfect mother, the perfect whatever. And it's none one is any better than the other. You listen to hear your dharma, your way, and you bring into the universe perfect consciousness. And that's what the Martian takeover that's happening in the society is about. It's not necessarily alternative cultures and badges and brownie points and special symbols and a new this. It's merely a society in the metamorphosis of awakening consciousness. And I go from a death conference and the Friday night when I was at San Quentin death row, and then Saturday night I was sitting with Jerry Brown as he was being briefed on international foreign policy. It's not the form of the change, it's the nature of your being that changes. Until finally your awareness is not limited by your thoughts of who you are because you don't have any thoughts of who you are because nobody cares, including you. Simple as that. You just are. And if you need to be somebody for some reason, you become it. I'm here, I'll be whatever it is I need to be at this moment. I don't care. People say, how does it feel to be famous? So I think now I'm famous, so how does it feel? It's like somebody says to me, how are you feeling today? I don't know how I'm feeling today. Why do I have to sit around wondering how I feel today? 
If they ask me, I'll go and I'll create a self and then have a feeling and then report it. It's a different space. It's just a space of flow. It's just drinking the mother. It's just flowing. It's just, yeah. And it's all empty. It's totally empty. And that isn't a negative statement. It's all enough. Every moment is so thick. It's like baklava. It's so rich. And it's, oh, every moment is so. These five days with this scene, I was just drinking everything. It was just every moment was so much and collecting none of it. It was just going through. It goes through you just like Chinese food because you don't get collecting. It just flows right through. You're always empty. You begin to feel like a moron. Your mind's totally simple. I walk in here. I couldn't have predicted five minutes. When I sat down here, I couldn't have predicted what tonight would be about. Tomorrow night, I'll be in Denver. It'll probably be entirely different. I'll probably be in a very different space. The whole thing will be entirely different. I have no idea. I don't care. I trust the process. And when you trust the process and trust your own beauty, and when the unworthiness comes up, you say, oh, Ma, doing it to me again. Here, you take it. Feed Kali. She eats it. Here, Ma, you eat it. That's the statement for a long time. Hey, Ma, you eat it. You eat it, Ma. Your anger, what do you want to do with your anger? You know why you get angry? I'm supposed to stop. I'm just, I shouldn't do this. Okay, you know why you get angry? You get angry because something in the world isn't harmonious with how you think it ought to be. That's all you get angry for. It's just doing its thing, whatever that is. But you don't like it. Because you're saying, if I were God, I wouldn't do it that way. <laughs> Your anger is basically a judgment of God. Otherwise, you might want to change something and you might have a feeling of that's not right and go do certain things because it's dharmically, you must do it because of your particular moment. But what would you sit around with anger for? And you get to the point, the minute you see the anger, anything in you that's not going to get you to God, you don't want it anymore. So you say, here, Ma, you eat it. And you get so, the anger starts, Hey, Ma, you eat it. You just breathe it out and let it go. You let it go. You don't hold on. I was a therapist for years. We analyzed it, climbed into it, studied it, worked with it. We did this for about three days at this conference. Everybody talked about their anger and their loneliness and their self-pity. And, ooh, it was so thick. It was just like, it was like being in maple syrup and honey and ghee. Finally, I said to Elizabeth, do you think it's enough? She said, yeah, I think. Let's put it into another balance. So we just went up together, the whole group, all 50. And then you get up to a space and you look and you see all that stuff. You say, all right, look at all that. Wow, look at how lonely she is, she's saying to herself. Look at her melodrama, she's saying. A minute ago was my melodrama. Don't you tell me I have no right to be angry. She's saying, and a moment later, she's saying, wow, look at that. Same person. The balance, the balance, the balance. Consume the mother, the balance. Offer it. Feed the mother, eat the mother, feed the mother, eat the mother. Become the mother, become the mother, make love to the father. Two levels of tantra. Seeker with mother, boom, intercourse. Then mother with father, boom, intercourse. Total merging, total orgasm, eternity, no more time, no more space. You are. Just like in sex, 
you notice? Here I come, here I come. Then there I went, there I went. But at that moment, <laughs> you're not saying here I am, it just is. I mean, really just, no. This podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us. Please continue that support and donate at Ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.